so Revelation chapter 2, uh, this is a, uh, a story. This is where God is talking to John. He gives him this revelation, and he begins to download to John some things about the, former, about the churches. And, and this is where we pick up is God is giving John a revelation on the churches. And uh, for some of us, we probably haven't opened up Revelation in a really long time. I'm one of those guys. I don't spend a lot of time in Revelation um, for this reason. <laughs> um, you'll see. But, uh, but I believe that it's really, really important um, about, about what God has to say to the church. How many of you know that the church is two-part? It's the church right now, the big C. In other words, it's the, the overall church, uh, church worldwide. And then there's also the church as in an individual. How many of you know you are the church? And so as much as God is talking to John about the overall church, he's also talking about the individual church as in you and I. And so what I want you to see this morning that as I begin to, to share this, I don't want you to see it as a, the big church. I want you to see this as you as the individual, as, as if God is speaking to you from the, the perspective as you're the church, okay? Because that way it makes a little bit more sense for the context in which we're going. And uh, it starts off, and I'm going to start in verse 1, uh, just to, to, to share with you kind of what he's saying, and then we're, we're going to really pick up in 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. Uh, it says this, write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Ephesus, for these are the words of the one who holds the seven stars firmly in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. And so this is what he's talking about, the churches and then the angel within each church. It says, verse 2, it says, I know all that you have done for me. You have worked hard and persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You have tested those who claim to be apostles and proved they are not. For they were imposters. I also know how you have bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name. Yet you have not become discouraged. Man, this is all sounding really good, right? So, so what I want you to understand is what Jesus is saying there. He's, he's talking to you as the individual, right? So he's saying... I know all you've done for me, all the work you, the hard work you've done, how much you've persevered, how much you've tolerated evil. I mean, how much you've not tolerated evil, how much you've tested those who say they are, but they're not, they're imposters, how much you've endured bravely through trials and persecutions. So God is saying all this about us, right? And then he goes in and it says this, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Think about how far you've fallen. And as I, as I read this, for me personally, man, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And because, look, we could look at our lives and we could justify where we're at based on what we've accomplished, what we've gone through, how we've persevered, how we've tolerated how we've stood strong, right? But what God is sharing with us this morning is that is, not, that is not what really matters. And could you and I be living our lives as believers for something that doesn't matter, right? See, in order to put God first, I think that it, for me, it was like, I want to go after God this year in a way that I've never gone after him. I want to I put him in his place 
not me put him in his place, but put him in my life in his place, if that makes sense, right? I'm going to tell you what, God, this is how it's going to be. I don't care what your words. No, but you know what I'm saying, right? Right, we're asking God to put himself in our hearts in his place. And in order to do that, you and I have to find the greatest resistance to those things. Right, right now, for all of us, if we want to put God in our heart and we want him to, to take the residency in our lives, what we have to do is we have to find what is the greatest resistance to seeing that happen. Right? For some of us, it could be a temptation. For some of us, it could be a donut. For some of us, it could be uh, an emotion. For some of us, it could be a relationship. Whatever that is, it could be a job. It could be a kid. It could be whatever it is for you. But what I'm going after this morning is that you will never allow God to get into first place in your life until you find what's the greatest resistance to that. Because a lot of times we're like, oh, I'm going to let God be first. But if you don't find the tension that keeps God from first, you can't ever get him in right place. Right. And so what I want us to focus on this year is not so much about what we're getting out of our lives necessarily, but as maybe like we could go through the list and we could say, oh, I'm going to move this, this, this and this. But those aren't really what's keeping him from from first place, because second, the thing is, is whatever's first now is the greatest resistance. It's not the thing that's in third place. But a lot of times that's what we do is we spend all of our energy working on number three, four, five and six and not number one. Does that make sense? And so the greatest resistance is whatever's number one in your life, not number three. And so that's what this is about. He's got, he's going through and he's letting them know, like, number three, four, five, and six, like, you are killing it. Like, you are, high five, like, you know this church was feeling real good until about verse five and six. They're like, yeah, keep going, Lord. Yeah, 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 keep going. Like, and, and I mean, for me, that's where I'd be like, I'd be like, yeah, keep, keep going, Lord. This is awesome, man. Yeah, I have persevered. I remember that one thing, and those people came against us, and I stood up for your name, and you could start bragging about it. But was, and that's where we're going to really kind of hit the rubber, uh, where the rubber beats the road this morning. And so I want to hit first part. I want to go through verse 2 and to kind of break that down for our lives. And, and I had a whole desire to go to somewhere different this week. But how many of you know that Lord is first? And we needed to share this, I think, to get really going in the right direction. Um, and so in verse 2, it says, I know all that you've done for me. You have worked hard and persevered. Right? And then it says, I know that all that you've done and what you've, that you've not tolerated evil. You have tested those who claim to be apostles and proved they are not, for they were imposters. And the thing that I want to hit here is this, is that connection is found in doing things with him, not for him. And so many times we spend so much energy doing things for him that we justify that and we make that the connection point when it's God, you're doing things for God and God never asked you to do those things because you're not with him, you tend to start doing things for him. But God would much rather have us have a connection that we're desiring to connect with him not do things for him. And I believe that we can spend our lives for, for so many years that we can find ourselves in, you know, 50 years in in our Christian life. It's like, man, I did all these things for him. But the tragedy is to do all these things for him and never know him. And I believe that is what we need to do this year is to find him, to allow him to take the place of first in our lives. 
and allow that to be why we do everything we do. The reason that I did that I did uh, work hard and persevere was because I was with you, God, and in me being with you, this is what you wanted me to do. Because we can do a lot of things as a Christian just because we've seen, oh, this is what Jesus did in the Word, and we can spend our lives exhausted doing things to try to justify our relationship with God instead of just getting to be with Him and allowing that to be what motivates everything that I do for Him, right? And so I would hope that this would free you this morning to let you know that, look, it's not about all the things that you've done last year. You can look at 2018, and you can go through all the things that you did for God. But the question I ask you is, do you know him more, or are you more exhausted because of all the things you had to do for him? And that is the tragedy, is to, to go a whole year and to look back and look, I did all these things for him, but not know him more, not know him better. And I think that is the thing that I want you to be able to have when you step into 2020, 20, is that you can look back from 2019 and say, maybe I didn't do as much, but I knew him more. That is success, right? See, there are, there are a lot of incredible things that we can do that don't require loving God to accomplish them. That is, that is what that verse is all about, is that we can do a lot of things that don't require loving God to accomplish them. How do we know that? Well, we know verse 2 says, I know all that you've done for me. Keyword, for me, not with me. And so we, we can do all of these accomplishments and justify the relationship. How many of you know that it's way easier to work for somebody than have to actually get to know somebody? And God is not that kind of a father. He doesn't want you to work for him and not know him. I don't want Jaylee to, to go through life knowing that, I mean, she was a great daughter, but she didn't ever know that I was a great father. That, that would be a tragedy. And I want you to know this morning that you have an incredible father. His name is Jesus. He died on the cross. He went into the tomb. He was resurrected, and he wants to be in relationship with you. And if you're not careful, you can find yourself working from the slave mentality and servant mentality instead of the son mentality. And that is a tragedy, is to go through life living from those two perspectives rather than sonship, rather than living with Christ, right? See, success really can be the obstacle that hinders you from your need from God. See, these guys were successful, really. They were, there was nothing that God had against them but one thing. But that one thing mattered the most. So if you were to look at this church from the outside, man, reach church, they're reaching the, they're reaching the community. There are people getting saved. There are all kinds of stuff. But what happens if the church overall doesn't know Christ? And so it's not about how many people you've shared your faith with and how many things you've done. It's about how well do you know him. And success sometimes can overshadow the relational side of it. And this is what they're addressing is that they're, they're saying, look, you can continue to do all of these things that are, that, are, that are considered success and still not have success. Right? And so it goes on, it says, you've worked hard, you've persevered. I know that you don't even tolerate evil. You have tested those who claim to be something and prove that they are not. In other words, they put energy into justifying and letting people know, look, you say you're something, but you're not really this person. And yet, they actually didn't even know who they were. 
We can spend our lives trying to prove all the things that other people aren't and lose ourselves in the making of that. See, without love, we can get results and miss out on relationship. That, I feel like, is so easy to have happen for us is that we can, we can totally get so caught up in results and ambition and following the rules, right? How many of you know that we're real good as Christians following the rules and we discount rules because we, we discount relationship for rules. How many of us know that we base a lot of our religion, a lot of our faith based on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, right? Based on how many things that I've gotten done. Lord, I, was, I witnessed to somebody this week, or Lord, I shared my faith, or Lord, I tithed, or Lord, I, I, I served in our church, or Lord, I did this, or I did this. And God isn't concerned about those things as much as he is about God and you loving him, right? And I love that at the end it says you've fallen away. You've fallen from it, right? Because that, what that does is it shows a separation between our, our actions, our lists of one, two, three, four, five, and the relationship side of it. And so I think that we have to, get, we have to be really careful in, not, in getting uh, lost in being and doing and not being. How many you know that we're called human beings? For a reason. Because the enemy would love to make you a human doing. Right? The enemy would love for you to get so caught up in doing and doing and doing and never being. Because, because in being, there's a transformation that goes beyond doing. And, and that is a challenge for all of us. Because it's easy for us to to become doers, right, and not be those people that really spend time with Christ, right? It's much easier to go out, leave morning work, headed to work. You see someone with a flat, you pull over, help them change their tire. You find time for that. But what about 15 minutes before you left work to spend time with him? Because, see, this is what happens is we justify when that tire change happens, and I feel good. Right? I feel good. I feel accomplished. I did something for somebody. And we can end up losing who we are helping people and miss out on actually the relationship side of, of us with God. And it's just amazing to me to see how, how, sl- how, how slowly we can justify what we are becoming and say, man, I'm a spiritual person. This is what I've done. I've gone through grow. I've gone through the discipleships. I've gone through all these things, forsaking even getting to know him. And it goes on in verse 3, and this is what it says. It says, I also know how you have bravely endured trials and persecutions. This is why I use the Passion Translation because the action verbs were so intense. Like they were really trying to drive home some of these things, because what I love about this is this is not the casual Christian. This is not the person that you would look at and say, man, they're lukewarm. This is the person that you and I would look at and say, look at that pastor, man. Do you know? Look at that. And you would look at this person and you would say, that person has it going on. They are a person I need to pursue and look up to because of how good they are, because of what they're doing for the kingdom. But how many of you know that the way that God views things and the way that we view things are two different, do different, they're through two different lenses. 
And so many times we begin to, we begin to idolize what God is actually degrading. That is what this whole passage is about, is that, that we are looking up to something that God is looking down at. Right? He says, I also know how you have bravely. So first one, he says, I know all you've done. Then the next one, he says, I, I also know. Look, church, God knows. He knows where you're at with him. And it doesn't matter how many times you show up to church, how many times you clean the toilets, how many times you show up to serve, how many outreaches you do, how big your tithe is. He knows all of that. And what he's saying is this, is that none of those things matter if you don't have me first. Right? I know you can't, I know in life you can buy people's affections and you can buy people's position, but you can't do that in the kingdom. Thank God. I thank God that you can't buy your way into the kingdom, that you can only know the king by time. What freedom for you and me. That it's not by, well, because some people, singles have a little bit more time than married with kids. So if it was based on how much we get to do for God, the married and sing and the married and kids are they're just they ain't got a shot. It's all singles. They're the ones that are going to they're going to be serving Jesus. They're the ones making it, right? Because they got all the time in the world. How many of you know it's not about that? You can spend 15 minutes with the, with the Lord with your schedule, and God knows how much of a sacrifice you're making to be with Him. Now, I'm not justifying spending 15 minutes. I'm not saying that. Because you may be spending 30 or 45, and you need to continue to do that. You don't need to go backwards. <laughs> but what I am saying is that God knows your schedule, and he knows your commitments, and he knows your life. He knows you. And it's okay to spend the amount of time that God is speaking to you. If he's saying, hey, and I think this is another thing. Let me just throw this in there for free. That it's not about one morning connection. It's about a daily connection. It's about you having a daily connection. It's about you getting up in the morning. God, I hear you. I know you. Getting to lunch. You're getting in your break. And you're like, you hear the voice of God constantly, and you're obedient to it. That's knowing him. It's not because we can do that. Well, I had my 15-minute devotional. Well, I don't just talk to my, my wife in the morning. I get 15 million texts throughout the day when I'm trying to get this sermon. And I'm like, ding, 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 ding. I'm like, okay, Dear Jesus, ding, 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 pop up, pop up, pop up. But how many of you know? It's because we have a connection. There's this relationship. And how many of you know she doesn't just say, hey, see you in the morning. And we're like, hey, bye, give a kiss. Coffee was good. See you later. Love you. How horrible of a marriage would that be? Well, but I did bring home the money for you, babe. I did do this. This is what we do with the Lord. This is what we do. We justify our relationship with him. It's like when you get married, it's like, I've, until I tell you I don't love you, I love you. That doesn't work in the kingdom. It's like, Lord, I haven't told you I don't love you. You just have to know that I love you. If I told Alicia that, I would not be preaching. I would be in a tomb tomorrow. Because this is not how relationship works. Guys, we have to understand, look, relationship. Relationship. This is what our faith is built around. It is not built around how much you serve him. I serve him really well when I know him. I only can serve him with genuine, authentic love when I get love from him. I don't like people outside of him. I mean, I do, but not like I should. I like some people. And then other people I can't stand. 
none of y'all fall in that category, right? You love everybody. But when I'm with Jesus, he gives me the ability to love everybody, right? And so I want you to know that he knows you. Look, you can't, you can't try to get by this year because of this sermon now. You're, you're messed up for the rest of the year. You're in trouble. Because once you hear it, you're responsible for it. <laughs> and I don't see anybody with earplugs in. So this is the deal is that, look, you, you have to know that it's not about what you do for God this year. It's about you getting to know God this year. And look, I think if we just start off being intentional, hey, how can I connect with God on a, on a greater measure this year? How can I, I mean, I've gotten to the place where sometimes I put reminders on my phone to spend time with God. And then out of that creates, it creates this lifestyle of tuning in to God and hearing his voice. you got to do whatever you got to do to spend time with him. And so whatever you've got to do, you do that. Because if not, you find yourself being this church and going through all the things that you do for him and justifying your relationship when you go to God. But God, do you not know that on January the 1st, New Year's Eve night, I committed that I would... And and then on January 2nd, I was out, and I was just out at the grocery store, and I saw somebody, it was an older lady, and she was really struggling to get groceries in her car, and I I helped her put them in her car. And we can go through the list, but you know that that list doesn't matter to God. Right? You know that that list doesn't justify your relationship with him. That is what this whole chapter is about, is that you, you don't get to justify, you don't get to take your list to God and say, God, I know you. Look. You only, that list only matters with what he said and asked you to do. So my question for you and I is how fatigued are you based on what you're trying to earn instead of what you could just have because you're in relationship with him? Are you more tired serving God simply because you've gotten caught up in task-oriented relationship? It's just this, hey, check one, two, three, four, check one, two, three, four. It's just gone this, through this checklist. I mean, I would hate for my wife to go, well, today, this is what we're going to, and it's just this checklist. And it's so easy in relationships to create and to create and make them healthy. But when it comes to God, it's like, oh, he's God, and he's way far away. And so we just figure, well, I'll just do things for him, and that will justify getting to know him. That's not how God is. God wants to know his sons and daughters. So... It goes in and it says, as I also know you have bravely endured trials, persecutions because of my name. And I really want to hit on that. Because there's a lot of things we've done for his name. God, but I've done this for you. God, I've sacrificed and I've done this for you. But how many of you know defending him doesn't require the same as depending on him? We can defend him all day long. But that doesn't mean you're depending on him. Right? See, depending is a requirement that takes you not just doing all the things for the name's sake, but depending on him requires you to say, I'm going to have to trust you in how to get through this season in my life. How am I going to trust and how am I going to learn and how am I going to get to know you, God? I want to become more dependent on God this year than I was last year. And the only way that I can have the faith and the confidence to depend on him is by what? Knowing him. If I don't know him, I'm not going to depend on him. The people that I depend on are the people that I know the most, right? I wouldn't call one of you up and say, hey, man, I need you to preach this weekend. Something come up in my throat. I can't even talk. 
I wouldn't call one of you because I don't know you that well. But there are people that I do know. I would say, hey, man, Jason, can you come do this? Because I know Jason, and I know, I know what he's capable of doing because of the relationship, right? And so I think it's so important that God is wanting you to be able to depend on him, but that doesn't come by the length of our salvation. It comes by us in relationship, right? You can spend your whole life defending him and still not know him. That's crazy, right? We can spend our whole lives defending him and telling people about God. And how many of you know, we, how many of you have gotten on Facebook and you've went on a rant about God and you need to, and then it's like, then you forget, I actually don't even know. It's been a while since I talked to him, right? No one's ever done that, right? Okay, cool. We go on this banter defending him, and then we realize, man, I haven't even talked to the Lord in a while. It's been a minute. Lord, forgive me. Right? Because defending, man, it's easy to defend for somebody and really not know them. But it's way different when you have to depend on somebody. That is a byproduct of relationship. See, what you're willing to endure is the result. It says this. This is what it says. It says, you have endured trials and persecutions. So I, looking at this, I see it from two perspectives. I believe that you endure trials through two, through two things. One is love, and the other is survival. Many of us are enduring simply because we, we are in desperate need of survival. Right? We can justify our love for God based on actually just trying to survive and get through life. And we, and we categorize it as love. God, I love you. Look what I've endured. No, you were just trying to stay alive. You were just trying to stay afloat. And so I think we have to be careful with what we've done for love, and it's really survival. It's really just our innate nature to live and to survive and to get through the trials and the tribulations in our lives, right? There's a total difference in those two. I believe that when you are in love with God, that is how you do endure. And that's how you enjoy it. See, James 1 says this. It says, as you go, count it all joy. Who in their right mind can count all the things that you go through as joy? Those who love him. Right? So it says, count it all joy as you go through various trials and tribulations, for it is the building of your faith, creating endurance. Right? And so my point is, is this, is that in love, what you endure, you can actually enjoy. In survival mode, you don't get to enjoy anything that you're going through. You are just surviving. You don't get to hear the voice of God. You're not trying to tune in to try to see what could I learn and grow through this. How could I build faith? How could I have more endurance? In survival, you don't do that. You just try to get through it. You get to the bank, and you gasp, and you're like, okay, I made it. Okay. All right. Okay. Got to get to church. <laughs> okay. Got to get a hold of the pastor. And it's not, you never get to know more about who Jesus is in survival mode. And many of us know how to survive. We've survived. But how about let's go through the endurance. Let's go through the things and then thrive through it because of the joy that is set before us and because we're able to embrace those things. Right? See, I believe that love does things for the sake of his voice, not his name. 
I wonder how many of us are doing things for the sake of his name, but not his voice. I want to do things because I've been directed from him to do whatever he's asked me to do. Right? Because in that, that's all I'm accountable for. You realize you're only accountable to God by what he's asked you to do. Right? He doesn't go and when you stand before him in the kingdom, when you you pass away, he doesn't say, well done, good and faithful servant because of all the things you chose to do. That is not going to be the requirement. The requirement is going to be well done and good and faithful servant. That I have things that because you were in connection with me, servant is implying those are things that I requested of you and you did what I requested. Right? And so I want us to this, this year be Maybe you do less, but you do more, right? But, but what do you mean? Because, see, most of us, we're, it's, all about, it's all about the status quo. It's all about the next thing that I get. If I get there, then I'm even more spiritual. If I can read through the Bible this year all the way through, you know, I made it the first month in January last year, and I was doing, but if I make it through this year, then I'm going to be really spiritual. How many of you know that you're not more spiritual if you get through the Bible all the way through and you just read a chapter? If you're not doing what he's asking you to do. Right? Love is the only thing that's going to drive us. I should say this. Love is the only thing that should drive us to do the things that we're doing for the Lord. Right? Then he goes on and it says this. You've bravely endured. Bravely. Like, not just like you just endured. No, you bravely, like... You bowed up to trials and tribulations. Like, look, come at me. Let's do this. Bravely, like confidently, like you stood. Whenever there was trials and tribulations and people were falling at your left and your right, you stood and you stood and you stood and you endured and you endured and you endured. You bravely did it. Right? That's what it says. How many you know that bravery can be the counterfeit to dependency? This is proof based on what actually he says after that is that bravery can actually be the counterfeit to you actually depending on God. God would much rather you fail and realize you failed because you did not know him than to succeed and think he helped you do it. See, dependency is about me relying completely on God. And I just wonder how many of us this year have truly depended on God because we can depend on our bank accounts. We can depend on our jobs. We can depend on our, through our relationships that we know. Well, I know so-and-so, and they'll get me. Why should people be opening the doors when God can open them? Why would, should you be going through a door that God didn't open that a relationship could open? Right? Some of us are going through trials and tribulations because you went through a door God didn't open, but a relationship could open. And so now you're dealing with the repercussions of a door that was opened not by God, but by somebody else. And some of the things you're enduring aren't even God, they're not even God-induced. They're not even Satan-induced. They're relationship-induced. Right? See, in the pursuit of obtaining, we end up neglecting the necessary. How many you know that we can spend our whole lives obtaining and neglect the necessary? This is what this church is being addressed with. And you've done all of these things, but you've forgotten the most necessary thing, and that's me. Right? I want us to be the church this year, individually, corporately, that says, God, 
when I started 2019, I wasn't fully aware of my relationship with you. But by 2020, I am going to do one thing. I may not do a list of things, but I will know you better. See, I'm not worried as a pastor to tell you to not worry about a list of things because I know if you know him, you will do things. You can't know God and not touch people. You can't know God and not be a giver. You can't know God and not desire to be in his presence. You can't know God and not, and not want to worship and be in his presence. So I confidently tell you, let the list go at the sake of knowing him. I hope that you find freedom in that this morning. I hope that you can say, you know what? I'm a really good list taker, and let me just tell you, I'm incredible. If you give me a list, I will have that baby knocked out by the end of the day. I can take care of some lists. Give me a pen, I will check that bad boy off quick. But don't do that at the expense of your relationship with him. I close. This went way faster than it should have. But verse 4 says this. It says, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Look, church, at the end of the day, I pray that you haven't started a really passionate relationship with God, and then now it's waned away, it's fallen away because of all the things that you've put on yourself, your family's put on you, your job's put on you, all of those things, because you're not accountable to those things when you stand before him. This is, this is the thing I want to leave you with is this, is that activity can't make up for the pursuit of Christ. Activities will never justify and make up for your relationship with him. It just won't happen. There's something I want to show you real quick. You can take a picture of it or whatever, but, you know, in this, this pursuit for Christ, one thing we're after is he's showing is it's love. But what does love do? Love produces passion. And in that, right, love plus passion equals conviction. And that a lot of the things that we gain from God, we had convictions. We have these convictions. But then this is what happens. We start off with love. Love creates passion. Passion determines our convictions. Right? But then this is what happens when you, when you change those those same things, this is what happens. Is that convictions plus passion minus love equals religion. And this is how a lot of us are living. We still have the same convictions. We didn't lose the conviction. We lost the passion and the love. And what that does is it creates a religious tradition where you just go through the motions. Because, see, this is the deal. is that I know because I've had convictions and not love. I didn't lose the conviction. I still carried the same conviction, but I lost the love and the passion, and then it became religion. And the thing I think that the most tragic thing we can do is we can live with the same convictions and lose the love of the Father and live in religion. And the problem is with religion is religion moves you farther and farther and farther away from the Father. Right? Right? 
If you can stand with me this morning as we close. See, carrying the same conviction doesn't mean you're carrying the same passion. It just doesn't mean it. I know because I've been there. I know because I've done it. And I think that the greatest tragedy that can happen is to succeed without him. Do you realize you can succeed in life and still not know him? And that's the greatest tragedy, I believe, in life, is that we look up to people who are successful, but they don't know the Father. You know, Mother Teresa, she didn't have much money. She was a missionary being supported by others. But we talk about her more than we talk about millionaires. Why? Because she knew the Father. Right? She knew him. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. I want to leave you with this statement. And I pray that this one statement will go with you for the next month, two months, whatever. This is it. Slow down enough to stay in love. Slow down enough to stay in love. Amen? Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, we just pray that you touch our lives. This morning, if you're in this place and you would say, God, I need, I need you to renew my love for you. I've gotten caught up in tasks, gotten caught up in lists. God, I ask that you would renew your love. If that's you this morning, if you would, just slip your hand up real quick. I just want to pray this prayer over you this morning. Thank you for being honest. Anybody else this morning? Father, you see every hand raised. God, you see every task that's been laid before them, God, that's tried to push them in farther and farther away from you. But God, I pray that you would renew their love. God, that you would slow their lives down in a way that they could be able to maintain their relationship with you. Slow us down, God, so that we can stay in love. Father, give us whatever it is, God, that, that would be required for us to know you on a greater measure, God. God, Father, I pray that you would just speak deep in the depths of our hearts, God. Change, rearrange, do whatever you've got to do, Lord. This morning, if you've never prayed the prayer, you've never made Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you've prayed the prayer, but you didn't fully commit. You, you just prayed a prayer. It wasn't about the relationship side. And you say, I want to recommit my life to you. I want to rededicate my life to you. If that's you this morning, if you would, just slip your hand up real quick. And I just want to pray with you. Father, we love you this morning. God, we thank you for everything that you're going to do in our lives this week, this month, this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.